0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. So the title of my message today is simply this, take a load off. And I want to read from a well-known, well-versed passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, reading from verse 28, says this, Come to me, all you who are weary weary. And burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage of Scripture is unique to the book of Matthew. There are numbers of passages you'll find in different Gospels. There are some you'll find in all the Gospels. This is unique to the book of Matthew. And it's one of those most beloved Scriptures. I'm I'm not into crocheting, but if there was ever a passage of Scripture that is crochet worthy, it's probably this one. It's a passage that's used at funerals, memorials. And often at altar calls. It's a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Why is this passage so well loved? Well, it's because we all have burdens and we all need rest. You know, when we breathe, you have to breathe in and out. It's an inhale and an exhale. You can't live just exhaling. We have to take a moment to breathe in. And that's what rest does. It gives this moment to get off the rat race and just breathe and rest. That's why we love this passage so much. You know, in the early days of automobiles, at the top of a very steep hill, they would often have a service station where you could get food and drink. But more importantly, it was so that the car that was overheating could rest. Those early day inventions didn't always go to plan, and and so they'd get overheated going up the hill, and so families would stop, get a bite to eat, get something to drink, but more importantly, just let the car rest and cool down. And I believe that for each and every one of us, this is true of us today. There's nothing like getting away from it all and having a rest and having a break and having a holiday, and I know many of us are going to do that over the Christmas period, a much deserved and well-earned break. But as good as all of that sounds, Jesus was not talking about that here. Sorry to just set you up there. But Jesus was not addressing that. Remember, context is crucial. Someone preached that recently. If you didn't uh, get a hold of those messages, do that. It will help you understand Scripture better. Context is Crucial, And what we need to understand that when Jesus spoke these words, he spoke in the midst of the verbal boxing match that he had on a regular basis with the religious rulers and leaders of the day. The Pharisees, who they were known as, accused Jesus of being a rebel. Accused him of repeatedly being a law breaker. And Jesus repeatedly pointed out their hypocrisy. He pointed out the fact that they forever majored on minors and minored on majors. They highlighted what wasn't important and they ignored what was most important. They focused too much on obedience to the law and missing the bigger picture. It blinded them from seeing the fulfillment of the law standing right before them. They forever spoke about the fulfilling the law, and yet they did not see. They could not see. They were blinded that the fulfillment of the law was standing in person right before them. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, and yet they missed the day of their visitation. Jesus the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, was standing before them, teaching them, and they did not recognise Him when He came. People think if Jesus came and spoke to me, then I would believe. That is not always the case. These Pharisees not only didn't believe, but they fought Jesus. They fought Him at every turn. And the people that Jesus were addressing were not burdened by work. They were burdened by the law. They were burdened by the faith that was dictated to by obligations, They were burdened by rules requiring impossibilities. Jesus said this in Matthew 23. In actual fact, Matthew 23, He had not a lot of good things to say to the Pharisees or about the Pharisees. There was lots of woe to use found in Matthew 23. But in Matthew 23, verse four, it says, "'They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear.'" They lay lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And so Jesus offers the listeners of the day an invitation to live a different way, to embrace a different kind of faith, not a faith that burdens and breaks, but a faith that refreshes and renews. A life free from trying and trying and trying, moving to a life of trusting. See, Jesus wants us to stop trying and embrace trusting. And let's be honest, that's hard for some of us to do. It's easier just to keep trying in our own strength, trying in our own effort, trying in our own ways. And Jesus is saying, put all that to one side. And embrace a new way of faith and trust me. That's what Jesus was saying to the people back then. So let's fast forward 2,000 years later to us today. We are not burdened by the obligation that's put on us by the law for the most part. That's not our thing. We are no longer weary from trying to follow every thou shalt not. When's the last time you said thou shalt not? It's not at the forefront of our thinking. So that would make us blessed, right? That would make it easy for us, right? Question, why are we still so tired? Why are we still so burdened? Why are we still so heavy laden? Why do we still feel like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders? The answer is because we are. We feel like that because for the most part, we are. It's not necessarily the burdens that is imposed on us from others, although that can be the case. What I have found to be true, it's the burden that we impose upon ourselves. It could be the burden of self-sufficiency. That belief that says we don't need help, we'll get through this life by ourselves. I've got this. In actual fact, help is a sign of weakness. And whenever we embrace this self-sufficient life, it creates a burden for us. It may not be self-sufficiency, it could be self-centeredness, which is the idea that our needs and our wants take precedence. It's all about me, myself, and I. And when you make your life about me, myself, and I, it brings a burden because we were never meant to live that way. God didn't want us to be self-centered. He didn't want us to be selfish. He came not to be served, but to serve people. And He's the example that we are to follow. And just as Jesus served others, He wants us to serve others. He wants us to think of others. He wants us to pray for others. He wants us to give to others. We have Christmas box packing day coming up in just a little while on the 2nd of December. And it's an opportunity for us to take time out of our busy schedule and pack some Christmas boxes. Not for our benefit. We're not going to get anything out of it. But what we are going to do is bless a family of five for a week. And we're going to pack 3,000 of those boxes. And all we're asking is, could you please partner with us in one of two ways, either by sponsoring a Christmas box at the cost of $40, or you can help pack those boxes on the 2nd of December so that you can be a part of it. What are you going to get from it? Nothing. But you're going to get everything. You're going to get nothing, but you're going to get everything. And what you're going to find is you're not going to be burdened by self-centred living. Thirdly, we see that another burden comes is self-worth. And that's the thought that our value is determined by what we do or what we have. When you live for what you do and what you have, that creates a burden. If you're forever trying to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, or whoever that person may be in your world or your life or you're forever trying to get more than you presently have or you're forever trying to get that bigger home or that newer car or whatever it is, that will create a burden for you. These have got nothing to do with the law. These are all self-imposed burdens. And what I found in my own life and in 30 odd years of ministry is that for the most part, our burdens are all self-induced. Not all of them, but many of them. We don't have the thou shalt not. So Jesus was addressing a different issue, but it's the same old thing. And we need to take heed, just like the people back then needed to listen to Jesus. You see, these are some heavy burdens. So if we're carrying these around today, what kind of rest is Jesus offering us? Let me just say this categorically, what Jesus is not offering us. Jesus is not offering us a life of rest and inactivity. He's not saying you deserve a break, sit back, relax, and do nothing. I think there's a lot of people who do crochet crochet this particular verse. With that in mind, this is awesome. Do nothing for Jesus. There's nowhere in Scripture you'll find do nothing for Jesus. There's nowhere in Scripture that says husbands do nothing for your wife. Never. You'll never see that in Scripture. You'll never read parents do nothing for your kids. You'll never read kids do nothing for your parents. You'll never read church member do nothing for your church. You'll never read give nothing. You'll never read those things. And so this is not a sit back, relax and do nothing message. Remember context is key. He's not offering an escape from this world. You know, Jesus will return to this earth one day. But please, let's not be victims just waiting for him to come back to rescue us from this horrible place. We've got a job to do. There's work to be done. And every day Jesus doesn't come back is another day to work and serve him. But Jesus is offering us a different way of dealing with life. He's offering to completely relieve us. Sorry, He's not offering to completely relieve us from all of our burdens. We all have burdens. There's no such thing. Sorry sorry to bring bad news on a Sunday morning. But sometimes you need to hear the bad news first before the good news becomes good news. But there's no such thing as a burden-free life. The issue is not if we shall be burdened, but the real issue is what shall we be burdened with and how will we bear that burden? which gets us to address the second part of what Jesus is saying here with this invitation. He says, come and find rest by taking up this yoke. Now, I don't know about you, but that can seem like a contradiction. I don't know if any of you remember the film Raising Arizona and this fumbling bank robber comes in and he says, freeze, heaven on the ground. And one of the customers says, okay, which one is it? Too early for some? You can't freeze and then get to the ground because the moment you get to the ground, you're not frozen. Got it? And, and, and Jesus is kind of doing the same thing here. It's like Jesus, if you're reading it like, Jesus, which one is it? You want me to rest or work? Which What? what? I'm confused. Do you want me to freeze or get to the ground? Do you want me to work or rest? Jesus, um, sorry about that. (laughs) Which one is it? Work or rest? Do you want us to rest or do you want us to take up our yoke? But I believe the key to understanding this passage of Scripture is understanding the concept of what a yoke is. Some of you will know this because you're good Christians and you've been in church for a long period of time. Some of you may have forgotten this and some this may be new for you. But a yoke was essentially a piece of wood. And it was a piece of wood that was carved a certain way to join two oxen together to pull a wagon or a plow. If we can have a quick look at this picture here, you'll see that this is not just any piece of wood. The Greek word used for yoke is, or sorry, for easy, is also used for well-fitting. And as a carpenter, Jesus would have made a number of Yokes, And what they would do in order to make sure that the yoke fitted well, they would get the bull to come in, they would measure him up and they would make a yoke that was suitable for each individual oxen so that it wouldn't rub and chafe. It was made to fit well. And when Jesus uses the word easy, He's talking about a life of service that fits you well. That's why some of you do things really well. I remember at school, I just loved colouring in and drawing. And I was told that find what you love to do, do it so well that someone would pay for you to do it. And so I took my skill of, of, of colouring in and drawing and I thought I'm going to become a sign writer. And I I basically turned colouring in and drawing into an occupation. And it just fitted me so well. And when I was a teenager, I kind of excelled at uh, my trade. And and I I did a lot of work around Adelaide and I'd be driving around Adelaide. So I did that, I did that, I did that, which is really annoying to my friends, but I loved it. I loved what I'd done and I loved annoying my friends. It was awesome. And, And it just fitted me well. Some of you think, I can't draw to save myself. And that's because you can't. Not all of us can. Doesn't fit you as well as it fitted me. But some, like Pastor Ash, is great at math. Weird people. And it just, it just fits him well. And we just, uh, but for others, not so well. And, and so every one of us has a God design and a God shape that God has placed in us by way of our calling and DNA. And He wants us to use our God shape to serve Him and advance His kingdom in an area that fits us well. A friend of mine many years ago loved designing clothes, but she was forced to become a lawyer. And so she became a lawyer, but she hated it. And she was actually okay at it, but she just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't her best fit. It didn't fit her well. But she had an overbearing parent that just wanted to to have a certain job with a certain prestige and chose a job and vocation for her that wasn't her best fit. But these carpenters would spend a long time, and, and Jesus would have done this, making a yoke, That was comfortable for the oxen to wear, knowing that he was about to do a lot of work. So, we're going to make what he's got to do as comfortable as possible. Does that make sense? The other piece of good news about this yoke is that it was made for two, it was so that the load could be shared. It wasn't just for one oxen, it was actually for two. And Jesus is essentially saying that this yoke that I want to put on you is not something I'm putting on you as an obligation for you. But it's something that we are going to do together. It's not a life you're going to live by yourself, it's a life that we get to do together in order to help with the load, to help with the burden. And I want to highlight in my remaining time real quickly, three areas that Jesus helps us when it comes to our burdens. And I think that this teaching is pretty simple, but hopefully it's as powerful as it is simple. Three things I want you to remember when it comes to Jesus sharing our burdens. So the first one is simply this that there are some burdens that he takes away. He takes it away. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day, John, that is John the baptizer, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus takes away certain things. And what we see here is He takes away our sin. And the good news is, when we were still sinners, He took away our sin. Before we were born, he took away our sin. The Bible says, before creation was formed as we know it, He dealt with our sin once and for all. He takes all of our past sins, He deals with them, He's dealt with them. He hung upon the cross. And he said these three words, it is finished, which means the work he came to do was complete. And the work that he came to do was deal with our sin. And the sin was paid for in full on the cross. If we can have my little helper come up here. Thanks, Jacob. Let's put our hands together for Jacob. So essentially, he has dealt with our past sins. And when we... Come to Jesus for the very first time and repent and ask for forgiveness for our sins. The things that we've said, the things that we've done, the things that we've been involved in, the things that have led to pain in our lives and pain in people's lives. Jesus answers, done. It's finished. It's over. It's dealt with. The Bible says he remembers our sin no more. This being true, can you see how ridiculous it is when I come the next day? I said, Oh Jesus, forgive me my sins. I don't know what I did when I was 12 years old. He said, what, what are you talking about? He's taken it. If you're carrying that, that's a burden you don't need to carry because he's taken it. And then the preacher's preaching up a storm like I'm doing this morning, hopefully. And there's a moment at the end of the service where we have an opportunity to respond to give our life to Jesus. And we're down here again yeah. and again. Yeah. We give our life to Jesus again. How many Jesuses are there? I mean, like, and how many lives do you have? Yeah. You only have one life, there's only one Christ. Yeah. Come on. yeah. so yeah. I'm just thinking how good that was, I was like that. When we come down. I think Jesus looked at the eyes and go, I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know why you're here. Why are you giving your life to me when I've already got it? Who, who's holding the sign past sins? So I can't, I can't give him something that I don't have because he's already taken it. I'm just wasting my time. Old to call after all to go, God, forgive me for my past sins. I just, oh God, I was such a terrible kid going, what? But it's wearing us out. Some of us are exhausted by the burden of coming back again and again and giving to Jesus what He's already taken and dealt with once and for all. I gave my life to Jesus many years ago, just once. That's all I had to do. And he took all my sins, dealt with it on the cross. Can you imagine someone paying your mortgage off? That'd be good. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) And then you keep paying the same amount of money into the bank. What are you doing? It's been paid. Your mortgage has been paid for. Stop wasting your money. Your money is now freed up to do other things. And my life is freed up to do other things than worry about my past all the time. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I realize I grew up with a pretty sheltered home. I'm, I'm grateful for my upbringing. And I know some of you guys out there and girls out there had a, a tragic upbringing. I'm not trying to make light of that. But there comes a the time you've got to trust and believe. we we have got to stop trying. Stop trying to get saved. You can't get saved. You can't save yourself. That's so why we need a saviour. That's why he went to the cross and paid for our sins once and for all. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Jacob, sorry. So we don't have to keep asking him over and over and over again. The news is actually even better than that because not only does he take away our past sins but sometimes miraculously he just takes things off of us. Sometimes it could be a desire, sometimes it could be a habit. I remember as a young man being encouraged by our pastor at the time to maybe think about ministry and what's your next step. And, and I was right into soccer. I'll be honest. I don't really have a desire to serve Jesus the way my pastor wanted me to serve him. And, and I, I'll never forget just one day, overnight, that desire just went, Jesus took this desire away. This desire to play soccer and, and, and not be as involved as he wanted to me, me to be. So that, that the miraculous does happen. I also had a good friend who overnight just stopped smoking. And and that was miraculous. It was really frustrating to other people in the church who were trying and trying and trying to give up smoking. And she's coming and just no longer smoked again. Amazing. And so God does do miracles. And I'm all for that. Amen? Amen. There are some things he takes. Secondly, there are some burdens we have to give to him. So some he just takes. Some we have to give to him. See, Jesus knows what burdens us. Our anxieties, our fears, our temptation, our responsibilities, our failures, our guilt. He knows all that. And these are all things that we have to face on a daily basis. But we don't have to carry them on a daily basis. We we all face these things. Fears, anxiety etc., etc. But we don't have to carry them. These are things that when they pop up, you have to give to him. One Peter chapter five, verse seven says it this way: "Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. That means when worries pop up, You don't say, No, I'm a Christian. I'm not worried. 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 You need to know, as a Christian, I'm not worried. Dude, you're worried. It's it's all over your face. You're worried. The best way to deal with anything is to get real. And when you are worried, that's what Peter's saying here, it's what Paul was saying. They're not rebuking us for anxiety. They're not rebuking us for worry. They're actually trying to tell us what to do with it because it pops up. And I don't care who you are, there are moments to get the better of us and worry can come in. What do we do with that? Well, if I keep holding on to it, guess what? It's going to burden me. Or I can take up the invitation by Jesus and just... Give it to him. And feel light again. That's not to say I'll never worry again, but like in this moment, right here, right now. And I'm trusting that if any of you came worried to this church service today, there was something that would shift. Shift. And you'll feel a lightness. Maybe it's your fears. You know, fear's a weird one for me. Because when I was younger, I was afraid of the dark. I mean, I was terrified of the dark. I used to have nightmares. I was afraid of the dark. You know what? All these years later, guess what? By God's grace, I'm no longer afraid of the dark. But that doesn't mean I've dealt with fear once and for all. My fears have grown and changed as I face different seasons and in different situations. And you have to be able to deal with all those fears as they come up. So I don't, I don't, I don't pray, God, help me with my fear of the dark. Like, oh, dude, that's in the past. I'll leave it in the past. But if you're talking about your fear of having an operation, give that fear to me. Yeah. If you're talking about that fear that you have of your youngest daughter just getting a peas and now she's driving by herself... <laughs> Give that fear to me. Yeah. Good. And if I don't give it to him, guess what? I'm left holding it and it creates a burden. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a choice. Do I accept the invitation or not or do I hold on to it? Yeah. paper cut. <laughs> <laughs> ah, messed up. Went for this interview. Oh, I was terrible. Did this job. Oh, it was horrible. Okay, you can live with that for the rest of your life. I you say, God, I, I messed up today. And I'm, I felt stupid. I looked stupid. But I'm not stupid. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. The apple of your eye. Pinnacle of all your creation. What are we going to do? Are we going to give it to Him or are we going to hold on to it? Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. My suggestion is we, we give that to Him. And you think, wow, I'm doing good. Have, then the next day, you're just feeling good. It's awesome, great day. Next day, uh-oh, temptation came my way. Oh, God, this thing's getting... The, uh, God, uh, God. <laughs> remember, temptation's not a sin. But God, I need your help to help me in this situation. Yeah. Or he's going to blame your makeup? Are you going to blame your personality? It's ah, well, God understands. God knows. He made me this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we're we going to give it to Him? Yeah. But this one, this is different than the other one. Yeah. It's not past sins, this is present sins. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go around acting like a jerk and say, no, oh, I'm almost covered. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Don't work like that. If you've been rude to your wife, present sin. And the way we get healing is repent to God. And the way we get healing with the person is to repent to them. Giving it to God gives us forgiveness. But it doesn't heal the relationship. God forgives me? Yeah, he does, if you give it to him. So what's your present sin? No, no, she was out of line. Those kids, they were out of line. And the whole time we're holding on to bitterness, holding on to unforgiveness, which is sin. But we can't see our sin because we're blinded because we're seeing her sin, their sin, his sin. And we're not seeing our sin of holding on to unforgiveness. Uh And it weighs us down. It creates a burden. What are we going to do? Can I suggest we give it to him? There are some things that he takes. There are some things we have to give to him. And the third one is there are some burdens we have to carry. There are some things we have to carry. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says, For each one should carry their own load. You see, we all have personal responsibilities and obligations to carry. Some are practical. You may have to go to school. You may have to get a job. Could be responsibilities with the family. Responsibilities of living costs, etc., etc. There's, there's something that they, they, they create a load. Let's be honest. If we didn't have to work, be less of a load. If we didn't have to pay for anything, be less of a load. But that's not the real world. There are some responsibilities that we have to embrace, and it creates a load for us. And, and Jesus wants us to carry that load as a responsible human being, let alone as a Christian, let alone as a follower of Jesus. This is a responsible human yeah. being. Carry your load. But on top of that, for us as Christians, it can get worse because there's some are spiritual. There's, as a Christian, not only do you have all those loads that everyone has, but you have the load of following Jesus and just the general disciplines of what that means. Church life, volunteering, giving, And that's not to even include the specific call of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. A A cross is that thing that costs you. And what costs you something may not cost someone else something. So in this moment, it can seem like God's putting more on us, but He's got a plan. See, He doesn't want us to carry them alone. I believe, and this is, this is the crux of everything I want to say right now, this whole Follow Me series. I believe the only time the load of life becomes overbearing is when we try to take over and do all the lifting ourselves. Yeah. Have you ever tried to carry a couch? You ever done that? You've been moving for someone? You ever tried to do this? I'm sure you'd agree it's a lot easier when there's two of you. If you've ever tried to move a couch? If you've ever tried to move home? There's uh, <laughs> there's a weight, but it's made a lot easier with two. W- would you agree? Yeah. And and if these two men here stood there long enough, eventually, even with the help of someone else, they'd get tired. And here's the cool thing about Jesus: He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're tired. He knows we have limits, yeah. even with the load we're carrying. And so I don't know if you've ever moved a couch, but there's times where someone might say, Let's, can we just put it down and have a rest? We? And Jesus says, come with me, rest. It's called Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Sabbath. Just, just rest. But if you're moving a couch, you can't just leave it where you're resting. It's a rest to get it to where it needs to go. But can you imagine now if James says, you know what, I, I, I want to go this way. I, I don't want to go that way. But Jacob says, no, no, but, but the, the house is that way. We've got to go that way. The early Christians were called followers of the way. We've got to go that way. He goes, no, but I don't want to go that way. And so James picks up the couch. <laughs> and it's left to carry the load by himself. Yeah. Because here's the thing. When we're following Jesus, we are following him Jesus doesn't follow us. And he might be exaggerating this little moment, but eventually... <laughs> no, he's not. But eventually, this is going to get tiring very quick. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Jacob represents Jesus now, At this moment in time, Jesus is there for James, but he's not with James. There's now a distance, but who created the distance? The Bible says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Jesus has not left James. James has left him. But Jesus is still there for him. Every time we carry our load by ourselves, Jesus is there for us, but he's not there with us. And that's why we feel the weight, because he's not with us. He's there for us. And because he's there for us, all we're going to do is call on him again. Otherwise, James and any of us is just left to drag the couch along with all of life's burdens. But then it gets worse. That's just with the weight we're meant to be carrying. But what about if you start making some dumb decisions on top of that? What about if you take the promotion? You've got to take the promotion. We've got to take the promotion because you've got to take the promotion. He says, why wouldn't you take a promotion? Whether you can handle it or not. But then you think, you know what, I've got a promotion a lot more money now, bigger house. Let's, let's up the mortgage. Can we up the mortgage? Come on, Mr. Mortgage, man. Let's, let's just up, up the mortgage. We're going to up the mortgage. Up the mortgage. This is what a life of trying looks like, as opposed to a life of trusting. Uh, are you following all this? It's not sustainable. What about, what about, hey, let's come to church. Come on, Mr. Church man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to go to church. Now, he's looking like, I can't do that. So, not to, no, don't go to church. <laughs> uh, we taught we should tithe Come on, tithe girl. Come up here, tithe. Come on, we're going we're gonna to just get you up here. Come on. Nut. Nah, there's no way that he's going to be out Nah, just. Yeah. And what Jesus is asking us to do, we don't do. Yeah. Because at that moment, we say, I can't tithe. You're right. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. On, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. But not because Jesus expects too much, but because he's just made some decisions. Yeah that have nothing to do with being a disciple. And everything to do with being a self-centered individual that's creating burdens for yourself, all of which we've all done. There's no judgment here. I've done it. I've made decisions that were based wholly and solely on me and mine. And when that happens, there has to be a shift. There has to be some change. And it may mean the downsizing of a home. It may be the realization, I'm just not cut out for this promotion. But there's still a couch to carry. And then here's the invitation of Jesus. Come, or you're weary. (laughs) Because we've still got a couch to get to the house. We've still got a destiny to fulfill We've just got a job to do. Thank you, guys. Come on, let's put our hands together. This is the context of which Jesus is speaking to us today. There are some things he takes. There are some things we have to give. And there are some things we have to carry. But we were never designed nor called to carry those things alone. We've been called to walk with Him. With Him and embrace His ways. Do you know there are some people who are not Christians, but they embrace the ways of Jesus, they volunteer they give a tenth of their income. They're not Christians. They just, just feels good, seems right. And they live a better life here on earth than Christians. None of that gets someone to heaven. None of it. None of it. But when you embrace the ways of God, you'll walk with a lightness. You'll walk with a joy. You'll walk with a peace. You'll walk with a... One of the Proverbs says it this way, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. There's so many people crippled with their homes. It looks impressive, but it's crippling them. The cars they drive, the clothes they wear, the outings that they have, the holidays that they do. It looks so impressive. Wow, I'd love to be them. But but far better to be a live dog just enjoying life. This a puppy, a dog. A <laughs> dead lion. Right? Just so majestic but lifeless. There's this invitation to come. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.